Thank you for tuning into the Rainy Day Horror Show. I am your host with the most Dusty McBalls, aka the Certified Cougar Hunter, aka the man with balls too big to handle. And on this episode, we are taking a trip to New York, New York to learn about a serial killer from the 1920s, Sir Albert Fish. So sit back, relax, and make sure you put your Crocs on and set them bitches in adventure mode and let's get this show on the road. Have you ever had the idea that when you're out in public and passing random strangers that one of those random strangers could be an active serial killer or if they just murdered someone just a few hours before you encountered them. It is said that on average we pass 16 murderers in our lifetime and 3 to 5 of that 16 are active serial killers. Which sparks another question. Have I passed a serial killer yet? And if so, how come they didn't choose me? Well, hopefully I can answer your question as we dive into our killer of the week, Albert Fish. Albert Fish, aka Hamilton Howard Fish, was born on May 19th 1870 in Washington, D.C. Today, we have another Taurus who also surprisingly ate other people. And now, I'm starting to see a little pattern. A lot of these Tauruses are cannibals. And I'm also a Taurus. And I'm also eating people too. <laughs> Albert Fish was the youngest of four living children. When Albert was born, his dad was only 75 years old. I'm low-key shocked that that man's balls actually still worked. And his mom? His mom was 43 years younger than his dad. And no, he wasn't rich. And yes, that is weird. By the time Albert was five, his father had kicked the bucket and forced his mom to put all of her kids in an orphanage because she couldn't support all four of them. But little did she know, this orphanage would shape Albert into the monster he became. The caretakers at St. John's Orphanage would regularly beat their children. The beatings that were inflicted on Albert would help him discover that he found pleasure in pain. And a little while later, it would seep into sexual gratification. Albert would be stuck at this orphanage until he was 10, where his mom finally got a government job, making decent money. Soon later, she would remove all of her kids from the orphanage, but it was a little too late and the damage was already done to Albert Fish. 
At the age of 12, Albert formed a relationship with a local telegraph boy. This young man introduced Albert into some disgusting practices where they would drink their own urine and eat feces. Albert would also sneak into public bathhouses on the weekend to spy on little boys watching them undress. Albert would also answer mail order ads with extreme obscene and vulgar letters placed by women who were seeking marriage. You may be asking yourself, why would a kid as young as Albert be doing this? Well, it is said that mental illness ran in Albert's family. His brother was locked up in an insane asylum, his uncle was diagnosed with mania, and his mom would allegedly experience visual hallucinations. When Albert was 20, he decided to move to New York, New York, where he would work as a prostitute, and then he started raping little boys. Albert would eventually get married in New York, and this marriage was arranged by his mother. Albert married Anna Mary Hoffman and had six children with her, but surprisingly Albert didn't rape his own children. He kept his sexual desires hidden from his family. During this time in his life, he attempted to live a normal life and got a job as a painter, but in the end it ultimately didn't work as he continued to rape little kids. And once upon a time, Albert told the story, a story about a lover and a wax museum. And this wax museum, Albert found a love for the art of penis bisection. And for those people that don't know what penis bisection is, it's the splitting of the penis. And this obsession became a driving force for Albert and his sexual mutilations. In 1910, in Wilmington, Delaware, Albert met Thomas Kedden, and these two formed a sadomasochist relationship. Kedden was 19 and Albert was 40, and it was rumored that Albert forced Thomas into this relationship. As the relationship progressed, Albert ended up taking Thomas to a farmhouse where Albert would torture him for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, Albert tied Thomas up and cut off his penis. He planned on killing Thomas, cutting him up, and taking him back to his place. But his plans were ultimately ruined because he didn't want the meat to get spoiled from the hot air outside. So, what Albert did instead was pour peroxide on Thomas, covered his wounds in Vaseline, handed Thomas a $10 bill, which is just a little over $300 in today's time, kissed him, and then he ran away. If I'm being honest, Thomas was underpaid. That's at least 10 racks worth of work, and that's if you're being nice. Now let's fast forward to 1917, where Albert's wife Anna would leave him for another guy named John Strobe. 
John rented out a room in their house, and one day when Albert was at work, John and Anna would flee the house, taking all of the furnishings, leaving Albert coming home to an empty house and his six kids. But not much longer, Anna and John would come back pleading for a place to stay. Albert said Anna could stay, but John would have to leave. Instead of listening to Albert, Anna hid John in the attic. She would sneak food and time to go see him. But Albert eventually caught them, so they fled again, this time never returning home. After the drama passed, Albert started hearing voices and also began experimenting in self-harm. He enjoyed putting needles in his groin and hitting himself with a nail-studded flogger. Also during this time, he started experimenting in cannibalism. He would cook meals with raw meat for him and his family in an attempt to quench his cannibalistic needs. Then, in 1919, Albert started stabbing young black men and men with disabilities as he deemed if they died, no one would miss them. He would then also pay children to help him catch other children so he could torture and kill them. But none of these murders were ever verified, but Albert claims he murdered hundreds of children. In 1924, Albert started suffering from psychosis and claimed that God appreciated the fact that he tortured and murdered young children. Then, in 1928, Albert would have a victim that would put him behind bars. This victim was a little girl named Grace Bud. In the beginning, he wasn't even after Grace. He was after her older brother. Albert posted an ad seeking help for work on his farm. And this ad was answered by Edward Budd. The Budd family was poor and Edward was looking for work to help out with the bills. When Albert Fish met the family, he introduced himself as Frank Howard, a farmer from Long Island who was willing to pay $15 a week for work. The Budd family was ecstatic and their excitement overlooked that this payment was too good to be true. They ended up making arrangements with Fish to come get Ed in a week. Now at this point, Albert's plan was to tie Edward up, mutilate him, let him bleed to death before he consumed him. So a week goes by and Albert returns to the Bud's family. When he got there, he ended up meeting a cute little girl named Grace. Grace was 10 years old and once Albert met her, his likings changed to her. So after he noticed her, he made up a new story to get her to come with him. He told the Bud family that it's his niece's birthday and he was wondering if Grace would come with. Her parents were hesitant at first, but Albert was able to persuade them to let her come with. When Grace and Albert left, 
little did the Bud family know that would be the last time they'd see their daughter. Years later, in 1934, the Bud family would receive a key piece to their daughter's disappearance. On Sunday, June 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch and Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said yes, we should go. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood all over them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called for her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her into tiny pieces so I could take my meat to my room, then cook and eat her. How sweet and tender. Her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her though. I could've had I wished. The police used this letter to chase down Albert. On the letter in the lower corner, New York Private Chauffeur Benevolent Association was stamped. The police used this to trace it back to Albert. After questioning the public, they found out a worker stole envelopes from the business and lived in a boarding house room. When he moved out, he left the envelopes in the room. After questioning him, they found out he had no correlation to the murder, so they tracked down the new tenant who happened to be Albert Fish. One day, Albert returned home from work and walked into his room where the police were waiting for him. A nasty fight broke out and eventually Albert was arrested. The trial for Grace's case only lasted 11 days and Albert was found guilty, but wasn't only convicted for her murder. He was also convicted for two other murders. He was convicted for the murder of nine-year-old Francis McDonald, who was sexually assaulted and then strangled with his own suspenders by Albert. Albert was also convicted for the murder of four-year-old Billy Gaffney, who had his butt whipped until blood ran down his legs. He also had his ears and nose cut off, then his mouth slit from ear to ear by Albert. In the end, Albert was convicted for three murders and sent to the electric chair where he was eventually executed on January 16, 1936. He was nicknamed 
the Vampire of Brooklyn from his gruesome murders. If you would like to learn more about Albert Fish, there are plenty of documentaries with one being on Amazon Prime as we speak. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode on The Vampire of Brooklyn. I hope you had a wonderful week and have a wonderful weekend. Make sure you slightly caress my notification button till it gets excited and dings. If you haven't already, follow my personal Instagram account at DustyMcBalls and my channel's Instagram account at The Rainy Day Horror Show. And remember, stay frosty, stay foxy, and stay safe. McBalls out. <laughs>